0: Right now, it's Ferry
1: and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio.
2: We have Steve Norman of Winning at Home with us this morning. Good morning, Steve.
1: Good morning. It's great to see you again.
2: It's so good to have you here. Happy Valentine's Day.
1: And happy Valentine's Day to you as well.
2: <laughs> okay. There is something cool going on at Asbury Theological Seminary right now. Yeah. So a week ago, so no. it was last week, Wednesday morning, that this all started. Now, they have chapel, a lot of Christian Colleges, universities, seminaries have chapel, and there's usually a certain kind of requirement. You have to attend a certain number of chapels in a semester. You know, it's it's a mandatory kind of thing. So for a lot of these schools, the students show up. It's part of their routine. It's like going to class They're, you know, they show up kind of maybe obligatory in yep. some way. And this was a normal chapel at Asbury Theological Seminary. The students gathered.
0: It's actually Asbury University. Oh, I think it's tied with a uh, seminary, but the university is an undergrad school. Okay,
2: cool. Cool beans. Yep. So the, the students show up for chapel and they have the regular chapel and the choir sings and they kind of finish the chapel with this song. And then that's when something changed. Something was different. There was a presence in the room and the mm. students, when the song finished, the students stayed. They, they didn't leave and they started worshiping and they have been worshiping ever since. Wow. So this has been going on since last week, Wednesday morning, all the way through today, continuous worship. Now people are driving from all over to get yeah. to Asbury to experience this because they want to know what's going on. Students are testifying that they're they're there for hours and it feels like minutes, yeah. you know, and they'll head back to their dorm and take mm. a quick nap and then just head right back to the chapel because they want to experience what's going on. There is repentance going on, like open repentance. There is worship. God's on the move and there is a revival happening at Asbury.
0: This uh, testimony in a TikTok video, one woman says, to say I'm filled is an understatement. What I experienced is out of this world. Mm. Hundreds of youth coming out to worship God. That room gave me a glimpse of heaven. Mm. That's a recent TikTok video. Yeah,
1: it's it's spectacular, and it's so exciting to see students responding in mass to a move of God that is happening on a college campus. And this reminded me of when I was a college student at Taylor University, and it was 1995. So it's been almost almost 30 years. But in April of 95, there was a similar movement that broke out simultaneously at a bunch of different colleges across the Midwest. Mm. So Wheaton College, Eastern Nazarene, Taylor University, and others were all all experiencing this simultaneously. And it was a similar type of – of, of event is what I'm hearing now of yeah. uh, the presence of God was, was manifest in clear and tangible ways. And it was marked by worship. It was marked by waiting on God, but the repentance thing that that is real. Mm-hmm. And so it prompted me to do an independent study on um, how revivals work when I was a student at Taylor. Yeah. And one of the things that I realized is that every re- major revival mov- movement is, is preempted by prayer focused prayer people who are hungry for God people hungry for a new move of God and then it's always immediately followed by repentance there's Mm. never any major outbreak of revival without repentance and so to to have seen that firsthand and to hear that happening again is is really encouraging
2: and part of the repentance piece for all of us is humility humility I love the, the definition that I've heard of humility that just resonates with me. The strongest is it's a true understanding of who we are yeah. and who God is. yeah. And in that, when you come to a, a right rendering of who we are and who God is in that humility, you know, repentance comes easily. Like these are the things that are not of you, God, that are. In my life, that I want to be of you. Not only am I breaking up with and cutting off behaviors that don't honor and glorify you, I'm turning, I'm turning in a different direction, right? I'm turning towards holiness.
1: Yeah. I had a friend, a mentor, uh, who is the president at Fuller Theological Seminary until recently, and he said that they had a, as a part of their regular worship liturgy at First Presbyterian Church in Berkeley, every Sunday they would look at each other at a part of the service, they would say, I am not God and you are not God. Like, thanks be to God. Like they, they would they would all say it out loud. And that's yeah. that is a it's kind of like a fun way to establish both humility and repentance. Yeah. And I think that when people are overwhelmed by the power of God, that whatever when that when that light shines, uh wherever there are secrets, wherever there are shadows, wherever there is dark, it gets exposed. And God doesn't do that to shame us. Mm-hmm. God does that to liberate us. Mm-hmm. We see in Isaiah chapter six when he's got a fresh vision of the presence of God. He says, "Woe unto me! I am a man of unclean lips." And God doesn't say, "You're right," and I'm really angry that you're a person of unclean lips. He's like, "No, no, no! I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna touch your mouth with these coals, and I'm gonna, ma- I'm gonna make you holy." And I think that that's that's um, a really beautiful picture.
2: Yeah. As we pray into what's going on at Asbury, I feel like we need to be thank God for what he's doing and how he's showing up there, but also like fan that flame, you know, may it happen. May it start popping up God's presence, tangible presence in that way on different college campuses and may it happen here in West Michigan. But there's a second part. It's that that piece of repentance also feels like a very personal call to consider my own heart and say, you know, if revival is going to start here, you know, I want to be a part of it. How do I ready my heart to be a part of what God's doing?
0: Yeah. So I think we should, I think we should pray, you know, just for what's going on there and that it would spread, you know, back in the seventies, the, the early seventies, something happened at Asbury, but it happened across the country. Mm-hmm. It started in Southern California and it was the Jesus movement. Yeah. And what if we're having a new Jesus movement Yeah, and it's starting at Asbury and that it would spread to other campuses because, you know, young people, young adults are often i don't know if you found this but young adults are often the the impetus to revival as well yeah so lord we just thank you for what you're doing at asbury that you're pouring out your spirit in a way that's that's different and it's beautiful and there is repentance and so lord we're just asking that it would spread that it would continue there it would continue there and that you would be in, that you would lead that revival that it wouldn't go off the rails. We know that it's being shepherded well by some others, but Lord, just may you continue to work and move and let it spread, let it spread across our country, Lord, because we need you and there's nothing like your presence, nothing else but your presence really satisfies us. We've got our good friend, Stephen, Stephen,
2: Stephen, he's in trouble. A given
1: legal name. <laughs> now, if you were to say Stephen James, then I would flinch a little bit because yeah. it would meant that I did something
0: bad. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, Steve
0: Norman. So we're talking about different things, but one thing we're talking about right now is the revival that's going on at Asbury University in Kentucky. And I was watching a video of one Asbury student, and he was referencing Exodus forty thirty four. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle mm-hmm. and the student was saying that there was an actual like on the first day or mm-hmm. so there was an actual cloud over mm-hmm. the city and that people were driving in and they could see this cloud now if i understand him right that's what i understood him to be saying that there was an actual cloud yeah. over the city so and you know we know throughout the bible many times god's presence is is expressed in a cloud yeah but at any rate there's something going on there it's of the lord and you know repentance is part of this yeah and so talk about that
1: yeah i think that like like i had said previously both in in isaiah we hear Isaiah having a face to face encounter with God. And his first thing is to repent. And when Peter realizes that Jesus is the Lord, he also repents. And mm-hmm. so I think that when we as broken and imperfect and flawed people are in the presence of God, whatever, whatever flaws or whatever gaps or whatever shortcomings or whatever sins are, are latent in us, they, they get exposed. And as we draw close to that light, I, th- I believe that the brightness of God not only exposes it, but like the heat of God's holiness consumes mm-hmm. it and burns it away. If, if we can, Name it, right. and if we can acknowledge it, and if we can let it go, and I—I've been involved in church ministry for 28 years, and we plan a lot of services. And I can say, I can probably count on one hand the number of times when we were planning a service when we said, "Like, okay, this part of the service will be devoted to repentance." Yeah, um, right? no, nobody likes nobody likes repentance. It's it is difficult it means allowing god to do what david prayed in the psalms search me oh god
2: yeah
1: and i i don't like i don't like to be searched i like to armor up i like to be protected i like to pre- present and project A facade of togetherness. Mm. But um, I'm not, I'm not together. And on any given day, there are things that are, are wooing and tempting and drawing me away from God's heart. And if I can't name or acknowledge those, I'll miss out on opportunities to draw near to him.
2: Yeah. Mm. And in the Old Testament, you know, they had sacrifices that needed to be made for sins that you knew you committed and sins that you didn't know you committed. Mm -hmm. And so we're perfectly capable of sinning and just walking unaware. You know what I mean? Just completely unaware of the fact that we're walking in sin. And so asking God to reveal, to search my heart and show me what I can't see about myself is an important part of walking with him. I was doing a a quiet time, uh, started a new devotional. And as one of the practices in this devotional, it said, Lord, reveal in me any sin that I'm not aware of. And Mm. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's a good practice. You know, not, not understanding what was actually about to happen. And as I daily began to ask the Lord, show me the sins that I don't know about. And he started revealing stuff to me. I was like, I can't believe that this was just there. And I just didn't know, you know, and I just was acting like, like it was, like it didn't exist, like it was fine. So yeah, I think that before we can even get to the point of repentance, we need to be asking God to search our heart. Yeah.
1: No, I, I was listening to Tim Keller on a podcast a couple months ago, and he talked about like an old Puritan phrase, which is called besetting sins. And a besetting sin, is a, it's a recurring sin. It's a pattern. It's like a boomerang sin. Like you repent, you confess, you throw it away, and for whatever reason, it, it slings on back. And I think that all of us have besetting sins. We have tendencies towards recurring sin patterns. And I think that part of our ongoing journey with God is like, Lord, will you help me trace that all the way back to the root so that you can you can yank it out? And yank it out completely because I don't I don't want to live another day settling for anything less yeah. than your truth and your power and your holiness. My besetting
0: sin is pride. Yeah. You know, and pride produces I mean pride is the is the core sin, I think, of everything. Yeah. And a lot of stuff flows out of that. And so I have to repent every day, really, of pride. pride selfish ambition, vain conceit. Yeah. You know? And and it's not like repentance is Oh, I got to repent, but it's an, it's a chance to experience the beauty of the gospel again. Right. If, if it's a downer, then mm. it's just a work to right. try to earn God's favor. Sure. But if it's Lord, I need you, Lord, there's pride in me and would you wash me and would you cleanse me? And there's a sense in which we are confessing sins that are already forgiven. Yeah. So it's, it's experiencing the gospel. Search me, O God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.
2: If we know repentance is a part of revival, the question that comes to my mind is like, why aren't we repenting more? We want revival. Yeah. So what are the obstacles? What keeps us from experiencing Repentance, from stepping into repentance as a practice.
1: Yeah, I think Perry touched on it earlier. Sometimes it's just as simple as pride because repentance is to acknowledge that I have done something wrong or I have wanted something wrong or I have said something wrong. So repentance is I've I've transgressed. That word transgression literally means to cross a line. Hmm. And a lot of us, um, especially here in West Michigan, have pretty squeaky clean lives, at least externally. We've got the perfect Sunday school attendance records and, you know, we, we, we went to buy Bible camp and we got baptized or we got confirmed or, you know, we did the catechism or we right. checked all the boxes and Jesus had a group of people who had checked all the boxes as well. They like, they were the Pharisees and they weren't, they weren't bad people. Like they wanted God. They wanted the things of God. They wanted their culture to be transformed, but, um, they got turned a little bit sideways in thinking that like, if they kept all of the rules, uh, they were close to the heart of God mm. and Jesus tells this amazing parable about um the prodigal son mm. and the audience for the prodigal son is filled with people who in the story are older brothers who have always done everything right but their hearts are hard towards people who are outside of the kingdom or hearts are hard towards God's mercy or kindness towards people who aren't exactly like them yeah. and so uh when when Perry was talking earlier about some of like the sins that we come back to I confess like one of my biggest sins is judgment like I can be really judgmental of non-believers, of culture at large, of even other believers who don't believe exactly what I believe, exactly the way that I believe it. And there's this passage in Romans where Paul says, therefore, you have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. He goes, so when you, a mere human, Steve Norman, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? And then here's the verse I love. He goes, or do you show hatred for the riches of his kindness forbearance and patience not realizing that it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance. Mm. We are a dangerous duo, my brother. I'm pride in your judgment.
0: <laughs>
2: Look out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look out. This is like villains in a yeah, in Bible right. school, you know, like a Sunday school comic book. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, I I'm on Facebook from time to time. I'm not on there a lot, but I I was noticing some comments from a friend of mine that I grew up with. And in college, we were best friends. And, you know, I look back on Sheboygan, there's a lot of things. I grew up in Sheboygan, Michigan, up by the bridge. And I look back on things there. I have a lot of great, great memories. You know, I have some painful ones as well, but I just feel this kinship with Sheboygan, you know, the wonder years kind of thing. Right. And, but on Facebook, my friend, he lives in Tulsa and... I just noticed from some of his posts that he kind of looks back at Sheboygan as a place where people were mean Mm. and they were rough and they were abrasive and it just wasn't a safe place to live. And I was thinking about that and he's, he's two years younger than me. And suddenly our memory came to mind. And I remember when I was a junior and he was a freshman, I initiated him being what I now know as bullying. Mm. And I, I got my friends to pick on him during lunch hour. And it was kind of like at the time, here's my friend. I love my friend. Pick on my friend. Yeah, you know, how stupid is that? Yeah. And there was one time when he ended up, you know, I don't know, maybe more than one time, he ended up headfirst in a trash can. And so I thought, man, I I initiated bullying. Mm. Mm. And so I talked to Teresa about it, my bride, and I said, what do you think? I think I should write him a letter. And she said, I think you should too. So I did. Mm -hmm. And that was on, I think it was on Friday. And I just got this, this note back from him on yesterday. He said, bro, I forgive you. Of course I forgive you. You know, I did so many stupid things myself. And, you know, he said some other nice things and then he shifted the subject to, Hey, I've got some music that I'd love to share with you. And so it was just a, it was just a good thing of reconciliation and a friendship. And it just took me saying, man, here's exactly, I didn't, I didn't try to sugarcoat it. I just said, man, I bullied you. Yeah. And I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: There's something beautiful for him in that because there's a, man, a validation, a recognition, a, ah, oh, you see me, you know what I went through, but man, there's something so beautiful in that for you too, Perry, because you know that you, you know that you're safe and you know that you're loved and you know you can admit your crap, if you will, and say, this is something that is on me. I did this. Um, and, and that you, you're forgiven, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not just by the guy who sent you the cool note, you know, and you guys are now communicating again, which is fun in and of itself but you know that you're forgiven by God. And that is, that is like maybe the gateway to repentance and to being able to be vulnerable and be honest. But, you know, everything that you shared, Steve, about the religious people of the day and the audience for, you know, the prodigal story, like all of these things, you can experience God. You can know a lot about God. You can be religious. You can even have a relationship with God and, choose not to be vulnerable with him Mm -hmm. and miss out on some of the most beautiful things that he offers us in relationship
0: and i think what we need to know for repentance we need to know the god of love because Mm -hmm. without the good news we can't really fully embrace the bad news about ourselves. if i know god is going to smush me when i come to him with my stuff i'm not going to come to him with my stuff but if i know he loves me i will
2: I think part of one of the obstacles to repentance is that we are so excited about the forgiveness and the freedom in forgiveness, that when we've done something wrong, we jump right to celebrating Mm -hmm. that God is a forgiving God and that he's good and I don't have to wallow in my sin. But sometimes we skip over, because we're so excited to jump to the forgiveness part, we skip over the acts of repentance, like actually confessing, Mm -hmm. I did something that hurt the heart of God. Yeah. And so let's talk about how hard it is, but also how necessary it is to actually take a moment to acknowledge that we've sinned against God.
1: Yeah. I was talking to, with a, a rabbi friend that I was interviewing for our podcast the other week, and he and I were talking about that passage in Exodus that has been really confusing for my wife, Kelly, about how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And we're mm-hmm. like, well, wait a second, how does that work? And, and that's a different thread for a different day. But the, the short theory there is that Pharaoh had already hardened his heart towards God. And because he was going to continue to do that, God just allowed mm-hmm. him to live in that state of hardness of heart. Well, I believe that repentance begins when we can acknowledge that something is amiss, that something is out of whack. And so, when I talk about repentance, a lot of times we talk about how um, alignment in your car vehicle. Like, I remember one time, like I, I overcorrected when I was turning left in my 20s, and I hit a curb, and it, it like hit my alignment. And yeah. so, even though I was holding my wheel steady, my whole car was wobbly. And I think that sometimes life gets wobbly because something is out of alignment. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm getting a sense yeah, that like good. I'm I'm that that the steering wheel keeps shaking when I'm trying to go. Through life, then maybe something, then maybe God is trying to get my attention.
2: Yeah, off air, we were talking about, uh, you mentioned the word teshuva. What does yeah. that mean?
1: So, teshuva is a Hebrew word meaning the entire process of repentance. And the rabbis say that it actually has three components. And the first component is regret. Like I feel, I feel like in my gut, I feel sad that something happened. And I think that that's the, can be the beginning point of repentance. Now, if we're not careful, if in our pride or in insecurity or our judgment or our anger, we just kind of skip over regret. We're like, oh, well, I feel bad, but you know what? I'm entitled to feel angry about this. Or like, so that's, there's that split second where we decide what am I going to do with this regret? Mm. But if we lean into that regret and that regret propels us to confession, to be able to say, the reason that I feel guilty is because I did something wrong. Hmm. And because I did something wrong, I'm going to acknowledge that to God and maybe another trusted person. Like if I yes. only sinned against God, I confess that to God. If I sinned against God and another person, I confess it to both people. And then finally, the rabbis hmm. say that the, the the third step is to leave the sin, committing to not doing it again. And Jesus says in John chapter eight to a woman who's caught in adultery, he's like, is there no one left here to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And then his follow-up line is then go now mm-hmm. and leave your life of sin. So the final act of repentance is to be able to say, I'm, I'm walking away from that act, that habit, that pattern. And sometimes that prompts us to make real significant changes in our lives. And for the
0: woman caught in adultery, it was really Jesus saying, I don't condemn you that enabled her to repent because right. if repentance is a change of direction, a complete change of direction, you know, she was, she was enslaved to whatever direction she was going. And, you know, Jesus said, I don't condemn you go and sin no more. It was, it was Jesus who freed her up right. to repent, right, to walk in a new way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's what we get from the Lord. There's a sense in which when we crash into God's grace, we repent. Yeah. There's a sense in which grace comes before repentance. At least I can say that from my own life. Right. That, you know, I'm going along doing my own thing and, you know, knowing that there are things wrong in my life and Jesus surprises me with his grace. And I go, oh, my gosh, you actually love me.
1: I want to follow you. Yeah. So... I love that period. I think it's, it reminds me of the distinction that somebody once made about between guilt and shame. They say guilt says I did a bad thing. Shame says I am a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that sometimes when we get stuck in the shame spiral, we're like, I did bad, I am bad, I'll never be anything other than bad. And I remember my dad once told me, he goes, Steve, just because you fall down in the gutter doesn't mean you have to stay there. And I think that there are some people who believe the lies of the enemy to be able to say, like, you screwed up once, you screwed up a thousand times, you'll always be a screw up, Mm. so don't even try. Yeah. And I believe that the wooing of God, the kindness of God draws us to be able to say, like, all right, Lord, I'm ready to make a change.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is the goodness of God.
1: The rabbis will say that repentance is not just one act, but it's kind of like three acts within that journey. And the first one is to feel regret. Like to feel pain, to feel that Mm -hmm. like Holy Spirit sparked twinge to be able to say, like, oh, something was off when I said that, did that, or thought that. Yeah. And then the next one is confession. that I confess to God, or when appropriate, confess to another person. Hey, I I did this. I was out of line. I was Mm -hmm. wrong, and I'm sorry. And then the next step is to, is to walk away from that behavior that led up to it. Uh sometimes I say, if you've if you've ever had young kids who are fighting in the back of a car and they'll be like, Oh, you know, tell your sister you're sorry. And they're like, Well, I'm sorry. they say it begrudgingly, and then sure. five <laughs> seconds later, they're fighting again. Well, that wasn't repentance. That was, I'm sorry I got caught, not I'm sorry that I did wrong. Right. Those are two two different uh, sentiments, yeah. and we want to make sure that um, as our hearts are soft to God, we're like, Lord, I that's not the person that I want to be.
2: Well, this is some hard stuff. So first of all, just the admittance, regret, right? Yeah. Just letting yourself feel that is, we don't like to feel negative emotions. We do all kinds of things to avoid feeling negative emotions. So this right. is a high calling.
1: Yeah, And I was a part of a Christian recovery program called Celebrate Recovery, Mm -hmm. and it's where it was based out of Saddleback Church where they took the 12 steps of AA, which were in fact founded and originated by people of faith. They were Christ followers who came up with the original 12 steps. Celebrate Recovery has kind of reclaimed that, and they say that when people are going through the 12 steps in a 12-step program, they usually wash out around step four. Mm -hmm. And step four is, it says that, um, I made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you ever ever worked retail and you have to do inventory, that's like you count and make sure that you have all the products. To make a moral inventory is Lord, where where have I hurt others? where have I wronged you and where have I wronged others? And the reason a lot of people tap out is because that's not fun.
2: Yeah.
1: That's a a kind of like a full body spiritual cavity search (laughs) to be able to say like, Lord, am I sitting on anything? Am I ignoring anything? Am I denying anything that was wrong? And then the next step is that we admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Whoa. And that's a full confession. To confess to myself, I was wrong. Yeah. To confess to God, I was wrong. To confess to another person, I was wrong. And then step six is I was entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. It was like, God, will you, will you flush the system? Yeah. Will you heal the gaps? And then it says step seven is I humbly asked him to remove all of my shortcomings. And then step eight, is I made a list of all of the people that I had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And then step nine is I made direct amends. Wow. And so there's like a very detailed process in recovery to do this. And I, when I was going through some of that recovery to deal with some like pride and resentment and anger issues in my own life, I was prompted to write some letters to people that I had wounded years ago and had completely forgotten about. And some people were, were, um, really gracious and say that was sincere that was heartfelt i received that other people were very perfunctory that was like okay i guess this is something that you had to do so congrats for to you for getting your work done but um and then there were other people who didn't really want to talk to me anymore. And that was painful for my pride, but I had to keep reminding that like I didn't I'm not doing amends for me. Mm. I don't make amends to make me feel better. I make amends to do to do what is right. And one of the great pictures that we see in scriptures of making amends is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus says, "Lord, if I if I have wronged anybody and he knew he had wronged people, he's like, I promise to pay them back four times what I owe." Mm-hmm. So, the biblical amends is that he really only owed them what he stole plus 30% and he was going to give back way more than that. I
0: think we need to know that we're loved in order to repent. Absolutely. Because to be that gut level honest, you've got to know that there's a God in heaven who will forgive you and who loves you and who isn't ready to 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 squash your life. Right. And so God's love frees us to repent. So my dad, he worked at paper mill up in Sheboygan and he was a manager and there was a, a day when one of his relatives punched somebody else, broke their jaw. Oh, wow. And he had to, he had to fire this guy and this guy was a relative. And so years later, my dad felt like, so this guy had a brother and, and the guy knew he deserved to be fired, but the brother always held a grudge against my dad yeah. for firing him. Sure. So one year, my dad went up north, went to Sheboygan. They live in Holland now. And he went to this guy's house, and he wouldn't even look at my dad. Wow! He walked by him as if he did not exist. Mm. He never acknowledged him. He wouldn't even let my dad try to smooth it over. Mm. And my dad left, not having even exchanged any words with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the word says, as far as it is possible with you, yeah, live at peace with all people. Right, as much yeah. as it
2: depends
1: on you. Yeah, right, right.
2: And I think, too, a part of, you know, there's a, uh, a sneaky desire. And there can be, and, and, and maybe it's not sneaky, but when we do go, we do all that hard work and we, you know, we confess, we, we acknowledge what we did, we feel the regret, and we do the hard work of making amends that we long for the, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're so forgiven. Like, that's so yesterday. Right. We long for that. But there's a part of having done that work that releases the person that I'm coming to from any type of specific response. You know, if I'm genuinely, Mm -hmm. if I genuinely regret and I genuinely want to make amends, it's not, well, I said I'm sorry, so now you have to. Right, right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that if we make amends to try to get a response from another person, our posture is still wrong. Yeah. We have to go with completely with zero expectations and open hands. And if we're making amends so that we can feel better about ourselves, our posture is wrong. But if our amends are an offering to God, to be able to say, like, God, you are a holy God. You, you cross a chasm between heaven and earth. You laid down your life to reconcile me to you. I'm gonna do whatever it is that you have impressed in my heart to be reconciled to another person. And if they reject my overture, then that's, that's another chance for me to learn what it is to walk in your footsteps. Yeah. Jesus was despised and rejected. Now, he w- he didn't do anything wrong to be rejected. We did wrong things right. to be rejected. But but again, part of that whole posture of humility and kindness and restoration is, Lord, if there's anything you need me to do to build a bridge, I want to do that.
2: Yeah. And so, Perry, when you're talking about, you know, we need to know that we're loved to be able to do all this, it's not that we don't need to know that we're going to receive love from the person that we go back to for amends. We just need to know that from the beginning of the whole process, before we ever made the thing that we did that needed to be amended, that we're loved.
0: Yeah, and maybe something, maybe a situation comes to your mind right now about an action that you need to take. You know, we're talking about making amends and actually, you know, writing letters and things like this. And and maybe there's something that has come to mind and you're not sure what to do. Why don't you just text us that question, 800-968-8930. Thanks so much for
1: listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.